there's so much health advice floating around, online, among friends. But who can you really trust? Trust the experts. Listen to the world's brightest medical minds, our very own Cleveland Clinic experts. We ask them real questions, tough and intimate health questions, and we get real answers, all originally recorded live. Hi, thank you for joining us. I'm your host, Nada Yusuf. Today, we're keeping you, the men in our lives, in mind as we discuss today's topic, as well as the rest of the month. Today, we are taking your live questions about your common aches and pains. Because men, you'd do anything for your loved ones. But what about you? When you have a health concern, don't keep it to yourself. Joining us today to talk about your aches and pains is board-certified Cleveland Clinic family physician, Dr. Donald Ford. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Nada. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. And if you just want to introduce yourself to our viewers. Sure. Uh, good to see everybody today. Uh, my name is Donald Ford. I'm a family physician. Uh, I've been with the clinic. I'm now actually in my 20th year at Cleveland Clinic, and uh, I've worked in a number of different parts of the organization. Doing some of our, the folks out there to see what kind of questions they have. Um, I do practice family medicine, so uh, I see kids, I see uh, elderly people, women, and a lot of uh, generally healthy males. And I wanted to start kind of talking about starting in their 30s or so, a lot of men start complaining of aches and pains. Mm -hmm. um, can you talk about exactly what happens so the tendons and ligaments in the man's body sure. as he ages. Yeah, so, so uh, you know, this is probably not a secret to any of us who are kind of getting into middle age and, and, and experiencing this kind of thing, especially if we do, you know, we've, we've grown up very active and, and, and maybe been involved in sports a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of times as we're, we're getting into, you know, our middle ages, uh, things don't seem to be quite as flexible as they used to be. Mm -hmm. Uh, now, that's a general statement that you can make about aging in general. Really, uh, just about everything about us becomes a little less flexible. Hmm. Um, our, our bones are less flexible, which means they're more brittle. That really only shows up as we get quite a bit older. <clears throat> but our muscles also get a little bit tighter. As you said, the tendons and ligaments, they tend to not to want to stretch as much. Mm -hmm. And the thing that I think is the most important uh, of all of these is that our brains get a little bit less flexible too. So that's where we have to be really careful and really work to try to maintain our flexibility. Yeah. Uh, but it doesn't mean that we're destined to become shrunken robots. Yeah. It means that we have to work harder to get the same thing. Okay. So you really have to dedicate yourself to exercise and particularly stretching. Um, so anything that you do physically that involves stretching the whole body, it's great, to, it's great to lift weights, it's great to build your muscles, but what's really important is how flexible you keep yourself. Yeah. The more you do that and the more consistently you do that, the fewer problems you're going to have in terms of aches and pains as you get older. Do you recommend like a daily, morning, night? What, what do you recommend for the, stretching? The, well, there, there are a few different exercise recommendations. So, you know, in terms of cardiovascular health, the general recommendation is to try to do at least 30 minutes five times a week. Okay. But I will tell you, you're absolutely right. In terms of the stretching, it's much more important to do it as consistently as possible. So even if you do... 10 or 15 minutes of concentrated stretching mm -hmm. when you wake up in the morning or before you go to bed at night, you're going to do better in the long run and you're going to feel better. Great. Now you mentioned the brain, flexibility mm -hmm. in the brain. Yes. Can you go into that a little bit more? Sure. Yeah. So, so it's actually just a, a physiologic process that we see uh, that we tend to grow 
fewer dendrites, which are the which are the communicating part of the neurons in the brain, the mm -hmm. the, the brain cells, um, and we also tend to have lost some of our um, the uh, the um, uh, type of, of material that's in the brain called the Schwann cells that insulate the the uh, electronic impulses that go through that create thoughts that create mm. memories that create imagination. Mm. So it's very hard to measure on a on an individual basis, but we can see it across the, the population. So it's harder to make new memories. It's harder to make um, uh, connections right. and to hold a lot of things in in your brain at once. Um, it's, there's what we call age-related cognitive changes, and those are what we consider normal as you go through life. It is very distinctly different from anything like Alzheimer's or other forms of dementia where there's a rapid decline, a predictable course. Mm -hmm. um, age-related changes are true, and it's the same thing I just said about the physical body. Doesn't mean you have to. You, it doesn't mean you're going to end up not being able to hold thoughts or remember your kids' names or, right. or, or anything like that. You just have to take that into account, slow down a little bit. All of us, you know, even even myself in my 50s, I'm trying to do a hundred things at once. I right. got my I'm on my phone. I've got you know I'm seeing patients and I'm trying to talk to my family and my kids and and, and everything. Right. As we get older, we have to be able to sort of concentrate a little bit more. Right. And that helps counter the effects of aging on the brain. So it's not so much that I'm looking for a magic cure. It's that I have to change my own behavior in order to compensate for what happens as I get older. And that also includes diet, what you're eating. It includes Absolutely. exercise. Yep. meditation, whatever it is. Yeah, mind, and we, right? talked, we talked a bit about exercise, and I'm happy to talk more if anybody has any questions about that. Sure. Diet is very important. Um, I am a believer in uh, a balanced diet. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think there's been any hard evidence that going vegan or vegetarian is necessarily a better thing in terms of living a longer life. Right. But within having said what I just said, we know that you got to watch foods with high cholesterol, red meats, and so forth. You ha really have to limit the, limit them, if not eliminate them, from your diet. Um, a plant-based diet is extremely healthy, mm -hmm. but you can also overeat on a plant-based right. diet. So, so it really is a question of eating the right amount for your body so that you're able to burn the same number of calories you're taking in. Make sure you're getting plenty of vitamins. Uh, everything that we talk about in terms of possible supplements, calcium, vitamin D, all the other things that, you know, there's tons and tons of press about. The best way for the body to absorb all of these nutrients is through food. You absorb much more, you absorb it at a much more natural pace so your body can actually use it mm -hmm. and doesn't just end up urinating it out or getting rid of it because you've given it too much. I see. So the nutrients would be actually absorbed in the body and being used. Absolutely. And so even when we're talking about something like osteoporosis and we talk about calcium and vitamin D, my advice to patients is get your calcium through your diet. Right. Now, if you don't eat dairy products, and I know we can talk about some of the pro problems related with, with people eating dairy, mm -hmm. there are actually better sources of calcium that are non-dairy, leafy green vegetables, your kales, your, you know, your, your leafy greens, right. um, many other vegetables are much better sources of calcium even than dairy products. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. That's great. Thank you. Well, I want to yeah. kind of go back to um, some of the aches and pains that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. And um, so a lot of men are the ones taking care of the housework, the yard work, and a lot uh, more than often you hear 
my back gave out on me. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? What what actually happens? Well, there are a lot of things that can happen with with the back. Um, you know, we're, we're, we tend to make ourselves a little bit vulnerable in terms of our back. Um, I won't stand up to demonstrate this, but I could. Um, uh, but but one of the things that happens to men's bodies as we age, we tend to carry our weight in the front. Mm -hmm. It's what's commonly called a beer belly. Yeah. Now you know I don't drink, I don't drink beer, but I right. get a beer belly because that's where that's where just genetically, as a male, that's where my my weight tends to go. Yeah. And what that tends to do is it tends to sway you forward. So it's actually mm. putting an a new type of pressure on the lower back. Mm. So unless you're really working to compensate that, A, keep the weight off, B, keep the back nice and strong and healthy, mm -hmm. there's a tendency to for the back to be pulled forward. And so what that does is it puts pressure on the posterior parts of the spinal cord so uh, anything that that uh, that strains the muscles back there is going to cause extra damage. Sure, we're just sure. more at risk as as we as we age if we're not paying attention to those kinds of things. Sure, and also men are more at risk of uh, injuries taking longer to heal as they get older. That's true. Can we talk about that as well? Yeah. So that that again, uh, it's it's part of the general aging process that I was talking about, and uh, and, and there are changes in the immune system as we get older. Um, there are changes in, in, in terms of our blood cells. Mm -hmm. uh, so overall healing is going to take, take longer. One of the things that happens with our soft tissues, um, ligaments, tendons, muscles, over years, mm -hmm. we tend to deposit calcium into those soft tissues. And that's part of what makes them a little less flexible. Um, you can actually look at x-rays sometimes and, and, and see calcium deposits in some of the, some of the ligaments. And, mm. you know, if you get a lot of that, it's going to be very hard to stretch and, and pull those. Um, there are other places that we deposit calcium in our body. People know about calcium scoring for the heart. We thought at first it might be a great way to predict cardiovascular disease. We use it actually more now as sort of a confirmatory test. Mm. Uh, but it's still the same phenomenon that right. as we get older, our soft tissue, no, sleep quality doesn't decline. But the thing you have to realize, and again, this is, this is a way that people can sort of forewarn and forearm themselves, our need for sleep changes. Hmm. As we get older, we need less sleep. We do. We do. That okay. is true. But, <laughs> but we need it in smaller doses too. Mm. So a person who's getting older may not actually need to sleep the same eight hours that we did when we were 20 or when we were 30. Mm. They may get better, you know, feel, feel okay on six, but they may really conk out in the middle of the day. Mm. And, you know, it's funny how that works out. You know, as people are sort of approaching retirement, there's actually an opportunity there. Yeah. Uh, hard for us that are still working. But, uh, <laughs> the rest can uh, Yeah, we... <laughs> You could you could still figure things out. Sure. So it actually is a natural for an older person to sleep less at mm -hmm. night, but also to need a nap during the day so that they can kind of compensate for that. Okay. Our bodies are very active when we're sleeping. It's one mm -hmm. of the big mysteries in, in terms of how our bodies function. But really, we're we're just as active when we sleep as as when we're awake. It's just that it's all internal and it's all maintenance work and it's mm -hmm. all repair work so that's yeah. when all the healing happens so then the quality of sleep could still be you effective should. it just oh absolutely shorter. yeah yeah and, okay. and you have to realize that and i think you know 
uh, I see I see some of my older patients who are very frustrated because they really don't sleep as much at night mm-hmm. um, and then they feel tired all day and it's just what I was talking about right. well you don't need as much at night but you do need it in like in a couple of yeah in a, okay. in a in a couple of sessions right how about uh, weight and it becomes harder to lose weight Yep, it becomes harder to lose weight. You mm-hmm. said it perfectly. Yes. It doesn't become impossible to right, lose weight. Right. It just becomes harder. <laughs> sure. Why is that? Because we burn fewer calories. Mm-hmm. So when you're 20, you just sit there, you're burning calories. Yeah. You can, you know, somebody's going to invent a camera where you can just see them steaming off their <laughs> the top of their head. Um, but but as we get older, um, even though we still have an active metabolism, even though we're still digesting, di- digesting and, uh, and everything I said about how we're still working on ourselves when we're sleeping, mm-hmm. overall, you have a lower caloric need. You mm-hmm. need less energy to do the same thing that you're, that you're used to doing. And so you can eat the same as when you were 30 and put on weight. weight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And people are really frustrated by that sometimes. And they, they say just quite literally that. They say, Dr. Ford, I'm eating no different than I used to. And I said, well, but your body's changed. Right. So your calorie requirement has changed as well. So you can exercise and burn more calories. You can take in fewer calories. But you have to be able to compensate like that and find your own balance because there's no there's no machine I can plug you into that's going to tell me exactly the right. number that you need at any given moment. And no two people are the same. And no two people are the same. Okay, so you said metabolism could still... I mean, isn't the metabolism kind of shot through the roof when you're when you're older? Or is the is metabolism it? is the metabolism still um, something that you can maintain? A good metabolism as oh, yeah. you age, I thought it maybe. Uh, yeah, well, metabolism. Age. I'm using it in the general sense of uh, just uh, just the process that our bodies take in energy, use right. it to to um, do functions, right. uh, move, right. maintain our organs pump our heart doing all those things and and then you know we eliminate what we don't need right um, that's the that's the very general sense of, of the word metabolism as I see it okay. um, so no we continue to metabolize it's just that again in terms of the number of calories that you have to take into to maintain your body mm-hmm. it's fewer when you're older than when you're younger okay okay now speaking of digestive mm-hmm. um, a lot of people end up, they were not lactose intolerant. They were, they were drinking yeah. milk and eating cheese, and then all of a sudden they get older and what, everything has changed. Yeah. What happens to your body? How does that happen? Well, it, it turns out that, uh, that it kind of makes some sense if you think about it. Mm-hmm. There's only one point in our lives when we actually need to digest milk. In a natural world, if you think of sort of the caveman or, or you know, how we are when we're a baby, yeah, right? Yeah. So that's the, the only source of, of food when you're a baby is milk. Mm-hmm. Right. So you need to ha- be able to digest the sugars that are in milk. Lactose is, is the main sugar that's in milk. Right. Um, as we get older, again, sort of from a natural perspective, uh, if, you th- if you think about what we were like before there was civilization, mm-hmm. you got to be a teenager or in your 20s, you didn't need to digest right. milk anymore. And right. who was, no, was, no one was eating or drinking milk sure. or dairy products. So we're left with this kind of... Uh, uh, grandfathered genetic code that says, well, you don't need so much of that enzyme as you get older. So most people become lactose intolerant as they get older. Mm. It's something on the order of 67%, if I I remember the statistics, 
will end up being lactose intolerant of some degree or another. Now, the, the funny thing is that it can really range in terms of how severe it is. So you've got younger people who get really ill if they take in anything, if they have a pizza, if they drink a glass of milk. And then other people, as they get older, they get into you know my age or older, and then all of a sudden notice that they get a little rumbly in their stomach mm -hmm. anytime they have some dairy products. Mm -hmm. So it can be a big range of, right, of symptoms. Right. Uh, but you should recognize that. And then it's really important as you're getting older, if you do notice that in, in, in your response to your diet, it's the easiest thing in the world. Just eliminate the dairy products and see how you do. Yeah. Okay, great. Um, okay, so I want to talk about joint pain. Okay. And what causes it? Because I've read mm -hmm. quite a bit about overuse and underuse. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, let's talk about that a little bit. Well, the answer is yes. <laughs> it's both of those. It's both of those. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah overuse. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're, our, as our tissues are, are getting a little bit stiffer, uh, the, the cartilage, there's less moisture in it. So there tends, uh, tends to be a thinner layer of cartilage. Uh, and you can actually see on x-rays sometimes how as people are getting older and <clears throat> they've, they've used their joints quite a bit, you can actually see those bones starting to get closer and closer mm -hmm. together. Um, so long-term overuse absolutely causes problems. We see a lot of uh, 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 overuse injuries that have to do with the upper extremities, so a lot of wrist things. Mm -hmm. A lot of people do things at work where they're having to do the same movement Motion, yeah. over and over. One of the things that happens is it just doesn't give parts of our body to, to a chance to rest. Sure. And I said, um, I was going to say wrist because I was thinking about carpal tunnel syndrome. So yes. a lot of people who sit at keyboards, uh, you know, things like that right. actually puts a lot of strain on the wrists mm -hmm. and causes inflammation. Um, carpal tunnel is a is a problem where there's actually a, a, a literal tunnel if you were to take a cross view of the wrist mm. and you look down this way you'd see that there's a little tiny tunnel right there um, where the something called the median nerve goes through mm. now that's a tunnel made out of bone and it's wrapped on the inside with soft tissue so when that soft tissue gets inflamed it starts to press on the nerve mm. and that causes all the symptoms of carpal tunnel which can be a little bit of numbness or tingling mm, and then you shake your hands yeah, out and right. you feel better to actually starting to notice that the hands are becoming less mobile and you'll even see shrinkage in the muscles around mm. the hands so that can be you know it can be mild or it can be severe or anything in between but that's a that's a good example of an overuse injury right um, underuse is uh, you know well we can say this in general about about every type of activity if it, as you get older, life becomes about use it or lose it. Yeah. Um, so if you're just sitting around, the more you sit around, the more you sit around. Yeah. If you're on a couch, your body isn't getting any of the activity. It doesn't get the blood flow. It doesn't get the lubrication in the joints that yeah. it needs. Um, and plus, you're going to be burning less calories. You're going to be tend to put more weight on. Sure. Um, so keeping up a good level of activity throughout the day, even when we talk about, you know, 30 minutes of cardio and 15 minutes of stretching and so sure. forth, what's really important is to be active through the whole day, through good. your whole life. Good. Well, and I was going to ask you about some home remedies, but I mean, first thing, definitely exercise mm -hmm. and balance, yep, stretching. But are there any home remedies that you can think of for the men listening or watching? 
Um, sure, yeah. Home remedies would be like, um, so if they are having problems doing, breaking their leaves in, in their yard, they can come over to my house and break my <laughs> leaves and see if that feels any better. We'll make sure that, your right? number is okay? at the end All of right. the screen. <laughs> All right. I'll just kind of text me and I'll give you right. my address. Right. Um, uh, you know, the things that we talk about, it really, it's all about lifestyle. Um, so it, it doesn't matter w where you live. It doesn't matter what kind of job you have. It doesn't matter, you know, all these, whether you're rich or poor, the ability to live a healthy lifestyle. There's sometimes that it's definitely harder, and this is one of the issues that, that I care about quite a bit, is, is to make sure that people throughout our society are able to get good, good healthy foods. Yes, because absolutely. there are absolutely areas in the inner city and, and, and even in the country, ironically, um, where you can't find good fresh vegetables. Right. And, and, and that's so important to living a healthy lifestyle. Right, right. So putting uh, aside from a couple of things like that, um, you know, everybody's got the ability to exercise. Um, you know, everybody can eat at least calorie-wise, you know, a sensible diet. Sure. Um, and, and everybody can stay active throughout their life. Great. All yeah. right, I'm going to start with the um, live questions. Please do. Getting yeah. So first I have Todd. What can be done about chronic pain? Okay. Uh, great question, Todd. Chronic pain is, is, is really tough. Uh, there are all sorts of solutions, and we see a lot of it. Uh, I see a lot of it in my practice. And it's not something that's necessarily even um, uh, just restricted to older people. I see a lot of younger people who have developed chronic pain conditions. Um, it's a big topic, so I'm not sure I'm going to be able to uh, you know, address everything. Uh, as a medical provider, I start with everything I just talked about. I mm -hmm. start with, with talking about a healthy lifestyle. And if you look at recommendations from um, the, the musculoskeletal societies and from rheumatologic societies, that is number one treatment. And I think sometimes we overlook that because everybody goes, oh, yeah, well, yeah, live a healthy lifestyle. But then what else can you do? Right. But we have to remember that that, and it's the same, same thing is true with something like diabetes. It is the best treatment. So um, no most, most back pain is going to go away by itself if you, if you just work through it. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of musculoskeletal injuries, as long as there's not a tear or a fracture, those are going to go away by themselves. So, so we can't forget the simple stuff. Now, um, we have tons and tons of ways of addressing chronic pain. We have medications. So as long as you've got healthy kidneys, you can take anti-inflammatory medications. There's some uh, other medications that we use for some chronic nerve problems, something like Neurontin or um, uh, the there's a, there's a cousin called Lyrica. Mm -hmm. Those are problematic medications because they have a lot of side effects. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and so we always have to make sure that we're having a good conversation with our patients about the risks and benefits of medications. Um, you know, even, even anti-inflammatories like Motrin or Advil can, are, are things that can damage your kidneys in the yeah. long run if you take too much of them and you're right. not being careful. Right. Um, we have lots of chronic pain programs here at, at the Cleveland Clinic. And we even have a, a kind of an inpatient program that's uh, held over the course of four weeks where people really work, to, you know, sunrise to sunset, um, seven days a week, mm -hmm. working on really reversing some of the habits and some of the trends that have gotten them into chronic pain in the first place. Right. Um, so I don't know if I've uh, answered the whole question, Todd, because there's, it's a big subject. Yeah. Uh, but there are a lot of tools that we have. 
Uh, I think everybody's aware uh, of the opioid crisis and, and how, we've, uh, how we've really gotten into trouble with this. Um, I am very, very sensitive to um, prescribing narcotic medications. And, and there's one general truism that we have to be aware of, which mm -hmm. is that the real problem with opioids for chronic pain is that in the long run, not in the short run, but in the long run, they can actually train the brain to perceive more pain. Wow. So we're actually creating the same symptom that we're trying to treat. Wow. So that is really the reason that, that we, we do everything that we can to try to avoid treating chronic pain with narcotic medications. Yeah. All right, and then, then I have Hanat. Is male osteoporosis common? Male osteoporosis is more common than we think. It's a great question. Um, we, we actually have a, a standard recommendation for every woman who's over 65 to get a bone density test. Mm -hmm. um, and, and there is a difference between men and women in terms of the risk for osteoporosis. And that has to do with the fact that uh, women go through menopause where they, they lose the production of estrogen or where it goes down. Mm -hmm. um, and it's that estrogen that has been actually maintaining the, the, uh, the density of the bones right. for, for their younger life. So we'll see, in general, we'll see women decline their bone density much quicker around that age than men do. Sure. That being said, uh, we do have to look very carefully at men, and we have to look at things like, uh, you know, everybody's got a relative. You know, he used to be six foot four, and now he's five yes. foot eight, mm -hmm. you know. Um, that's, that's somebody that I'd want to check a bone density test on. Right. Um, there are all sorts of uh, metabolic problems that could be associated with bone loss in men. And again, you know, you got to look at the diet. Okay, great. And then Ryan, as mm -hmm. a 30-year-old male who's trying to restart his metabolism and boost yeah. fat burning to lose weight fast mm -hmm. but safely, mm -hmm. can you suggest ideas? Well, I, I, I'm not sure there's any real secret trick to this, Ryan. Um, the, the most important thing is, is that you get the exercise. Um, I, I'm not even sure. I'd love to talk to you because I'm not even sure what you, what you mean by restarting your metaboli metabolism or boost fat burning. Um, I guess, you know, we all tend to want to get there quicker. Um, there are a lot of things, there are a lot of products out there, mm -hmm. uh, that say, you know, fat burners and, and, you know, they'll build nothing but protein and, and, and all this stuff. Um, I'll be, uh, completely honest and say, I get worried about some of those products. A, you never know what's in, um, what's actually in the bottle or right. what's in the pill. Uh, and B, even if it's something that is purely thought to be safe, like, you know, protein, the creatine that they sell, I've seen a number of young men, men your age coming into my office with elevated kidney tests because mm. they've been doing these, these supplements that are supposed to build muscles and help them burn fat and so forth. Um, Most I, of these are not FDA approved. Right? No, the, no. Any type of supplement is not uh, right. under the, the guidance of the FDA. And, mm. and this is something that I'm, I, I am always reminding patients. I have a big talk with patients sometimes about um, there's, there's a product called red yeast rice. Mm -hmm. Um, this is on, not on men's health, but on a, on a, on a separate topic, sure. but that is literally a, a, a yeast, a mold that grows on rotting rice, mm. um, that they put in pill form. Now here's the funny thing. <laughs> it actually works. 
Um, it's, it's, it's a drug. It, it's a natural form of a drug that is actually very much like uh, chemically like some of the drugs that we use prescribed for uh, for getting people's cholesterol down wow. so I'm not surprised if somebody comes in well yeah it brought my levels way down my question is what exactly are you putting in your body right and how much of it are you putting in your body mm -hmm. and where was it before it was in that bottle that you just picked up right. off the shelf exactly. um, I, I like to give people the image of some you know rotting rice factory and in the orient somewhere yeah. and, you know, <laughs> think twice about that it's it's a good um, point though because yeah. to think of what is in it you yeah. don't you have no idea there is no regulation there yeah. is no restriction in terms of the company having to prove that what they say is in the bottle is in the bottle yeah get your vitamins your minerals yeah. everything from your food right yeah there you go there you go all right and then i have sandy i'll do one more question because it's time's almost up <laughs> um, by. I know. Yeah. Sandy um, says, my husband is on Nexium and complains mm. all the time about his joints and stiffness. Mm. Is there anything we can do for his stiffness and joints besides stretching? He claims it's an axiom, but he can't live without it. He has Barrett's esophagus. Mm -hmm. What foods are good to avoid infl inflammation in the body? Yeah, that's a, that's a very good question. Sort of a complex um, uh, situation. Uh, Barrett's esophagus is a, is a potentially serious uh, condition. It is generally treatable, um, and, and we usually treat it but with, with drugs like Nexium. Mm -hmm. um, I am not uh, very familiar with, and I have a lot of patients who have been on Nexium or similar products. Um, I have not seen a lot of folks complaining of um, specifically about joint stiffness from that type of medication. I'm not saying it can't happen, and it's probably listed if you look at the if you look at the dis disclosure from the pharmacy. It's probably on there. Yeah. Uh, but I'm just saying I have not seen a lot of uh, of uh, patients with that sure. particular complaint. Um, there's not a great thing that I can recommend in terms of a product for you. There, there's uh, you know, a medication or a supplement that a lot of people are familiar with, glucosamine chondroitin. Mm -hmm. um, now, there's an example of one that actually has had some very, very uh, positive uh, benefits in some of the clinical trials that have been done, mm -hmm. but it's been inconsistent. I see. And, and uh, you, there are a lot of thoughts about that, one of which is the point I just made, which is you never quite know exactly how much you're getting right. um, in, in terms of that. Um, that's more been in terms of cartilage, um, so I'm not 100% sure if that's the kind of problem your your uh, husband is having. Um, what I the recommendation I make to patients in terms of that particular supplement is try it and see if it makes a difference. If it does, it may be perfectly fine. If it doesn't make a uh, a discernible problem, pro uh, result uh, benefit that you can feel, mm -hmm. it's probably not doing anything for you. The last one I would mention too is magnesium because a lot of the stiffness is actually muscular and not so much the joints. Okay. And magnesium is a good natural muscle relaxer. Now Sandy is asking at the end mm -hmm. here, um, what food are good to avoid inflammation in the body? Yeah. Um, is, so you're saying like magnesium in food then to so just do that or what do you recommend? So, so the, the, the types of, uh, foods that are generally thought of in the, in the so-called anti-inflammatory diet, um, it really is going to be the, the fresh fruits and vegetables. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know, again, that there's any medical proof, any scientific proof that raw is better than cooked. We know that cooking right. can, also, can lose a lot of the vitamins and so forth. So, but there are different techniques for cooking. You, you and steam. different vegetables are different. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, so my general answer to your good question is 
um, a diet that's high in fresh fruits and vegetables is, is going to be the best anti-inflammatory diet you can have. Great. Well, right. we are out of time. Is there anything else you want to tell our viewers before I let you go that we have not talked about? No, I, I just appreciate everybody tuning in. And uh, uh, it's a great, great to have an opportunity to talk about this topic yeah. and, and uh, appreciate the time. Thank you. And thank you for being here. Thank the you time. to our viewers and listeners for listening. For more information um, for men in your life to keep them healthy, you can find articles or even events happening in the Cleveland area. You can visit ccf.org slash mention it. This concludes this Cleveland Clinic Health Essentials podcast. Thank you for listening. Join us again soon.